Greetings, wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of the Ravishing Rampage edition of the Rage of Marks Wrestling Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ravishing Randy, joined in studio by Rampage Ramsey. What's going Hi. on, brother? Hi. 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 So, what do you want to talk about? The shit show that is AEW. Oh, boy. All right. Let's... And I, and let's, let, let me stop. Let me stop saying shit show because it's not a shit show. What 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 are you gonna say? Dumpster fire? What what are you what are you gonna? No no, no, just the owner of the fucking company is a shit show. Ah oh, Jesus, let's let's go ahead and address the elephant in the room because uh, yes, we are a little delayed in getting this uh, podcast out, but uh, as of the recording of this podcast, uh, about a week ago, CM Punk was given his walking papers from AEW. Um, this, of course, uh, is part of like the fallout from an incident that happened backstage during uh, All in London. Uh, and then there was the question of uh, will he or won't he be at uh, All Out in Chicago the following weekend? Um, there was rumor and innuendo going around about there was definite suspensions that were handed out. Uh, Jungle Jack Perry has been suspended. Uh, for his part in the in the whole brouhaha. Uh, and then it was Saturday afternoon. Um, you know, we're, uh, we're watching college football for the most part, and then all of a sudden, boom, word drops about Pump being fired by AEW. It's all over Twitter. Tony Khan has to go out there in front of a Chicago crowd on collision that night and basically cop to, to what it went down. I, I want to go ahead, and I want you to go ahead and get your vitriol and your and your and your thoughts and your venom out, Ramsey. So I'll go ahead and let you speak first, and then I'll have my counterpoints. But go ahead. I don't know where you want to begin, but first thing, who the fuck is he to go out to a Chicago crowd to explain why he fired CM Punk? That should not fucking happen. I give him I give him fucking props for doing that for at least going out and facing the music because he could have hid he could have hid behind a recording. And they just air the recorder. No, he knew the Chicago crowd was going to be hostile, especially because it was a pro CM Punk area. He went out there. He faced the music like a man. And like, look, you could take whatever criticism you could throw, whatever criticisms you want at Tony Khan, as far as how he acts as more of a Mark fan than he does as the, the CEO of his wrestling promotion. But I mean, look, he at least had the cojones to go out there and face that crowd like a man. I, I give him props for that. Well, first thing from that, from that, we actually know that there is no writers in AEW because someone should have fucking scripted something for him better to say. He sounded like a fucking douche talking and trying to convince. Trying, he wasn't trying to talk. He was trying to convince people about this firing. And it's like, okay, first thing you can just come out and make a fucking statement. But how he went about and how he how he came forth with it was just like it it was so not one, I don't want to say unprofessional because it's his profession it's it's fucking his business but it just comes out as fucking douche like like douche douche douchey I guess that is douchey a word douchey yeah, we'll roll with it douchey douchey if oozy's a word and douchey <laughs> I've I've, I've used I got it. I've used I got it. I've used the adjective douchey to describe something before. So yeah, he's douchey. So, but look, how he came out of it, it's his perspective. You're right. It, 
he had I'm because I'm shocked I didn't even fucking riot and fucking try to fucking hurt him or nothing. Because I I think it's if this was like the nineties or something, he would have got his ass whooped by the crowd. You mean like the eighties for sure. Oh yeah, eighties, uh, seventies. Yeah. Um but also speaking about this too is if he also knows how to run his fucking company, none of this would have got out out to the old fucking open. First thing, my question is my question first is why do you have fucking writers and reporters backstage in the first place? Why? Well, why are you leaking shit to the fucking dirt sheets in a, in a, in the first place? Why are you letting your wrestlers do that shit? I no, I, I mean like like no I I can definitely I could definitely get behind your um, viewpoint on that. Like why why are you letting wrestlers just say whatever they want? to the dirt sheets and you're hiding behind the veil quote unquote of anonymity. None of this shit should be leaking period. No, you know, and, and that's something that you, you definitely need to address head on. But like, it's one thing for like you to do interviews and stuff like that, where you have your face and your voice attached to it. So if you say something and it goes against the company, okay, there's at least that track record, but everybody hiding behind like, Oh, I'm just gonna send a text. Don't quote me on this. Don't you know? Uh. It's like, dude, you're you you are. I, I get that we're in a more open wrestling community now. The fact that we're more behind the scenes nowadays than we were ten years ago, twenty years ago, thirty years ago. You know, I get that it's a new day and age that we're in. But in some ways, you still have to protect kayfabe. You still have to protect the business. And if you keep orchestrating your place of employ as a shit show, that is the perception that's going to be viewed out there in the world. Because I can guarantee you, a lot of similar stuff may happen behind the scenes at WWE. You'll never fucking you hear You rarely, it. if ever, hear anything about it because they have a tight clamp on that shit. Yeah, that's, that's the difference between a professional locker room and some and a, a locker room that is not professional. Now, by be it, we are talking about the son of Shad Khan, who's Fulham fucking soccer, uh, uh, football club is pretty much shit. And the Jags for Jaguars is a fucking laugh in a bin ha- majority of the time since he owns it. Uh, not not necessarily this season, but go ahead. Hold up, it's only one fucking game and they played against the fucking Colts. Am I, am I right? Yeah. No, okay. but, but You want to talk about another team, shit bin is another shit. But we're talking about the franchise. I'm not talking about yeah, now. No, no, I'm talking no, about the franchise. It. The franchise in itself is a fucking laughable fucking franchise. They had to put fucking pools in their fucking upper decks to just draw fucking crowds to the fucking game. I don't care what type of business you are. You're drawing gimmicks to an NFL game. They've been, they've been struggling with attendance since before the cons took over the team. So exactly. It's but, a shit market. But you got Fulham, who's a fucking shit uh, club. Jaguars is a shit club. And then, and it's all, look, all management. I don't give a shit what happens. Like, it's all, it goes, start in the upper management and work way down. The cons hired fucking Urban Meyer. That shit the fucking bed. Everything they've done so far is shit the bed. Now, hopefully they turn the page because they finally got someone in there to run football operations. But that's what they need to do in AEW. They need to hire somebody because goddamn fucking Vince Russo tweeted out a tweet last um last sunday monday 
and I saw the tweet because one of my friends tweeted to me, and I was like, "God damn it, he is hundred percent correct on this." We we have you recorded as as admitting that Vince Russo is right on something. Yes, yes, he's right on this. As long as you're owning it, that's all. Go ahead. Look, I own it because he's right. I I, I said it. Someone needs to be running the fucking AEW, and it's not him. That's not Khan. His thoughts were, let um, Jr. have full reign. But look, let's be honest. He's getting old. He's at the age. He needs to to actually start backing away from from the, from from the from from working period. You know, he needs to just retire, start retirement, and just enjoy life. Well. You know, look, like, look, at the end of the day, and to like build build on your point when it comes to like Tony Khan and how he runs his company and everything, Vince McMahon had a series of checks and balances. You know, he he had the writing staff, he had his um, you know, president of talent relations, he had, you know, his head writers, his, his stooges. You know, his stooges, yeah. But at the end of the day, everything still flowed through and the final decisions were made by Vince McMahon. So but you had I'm, people. You had I'm people. of the proponent. Like you don't necessarily have to tell Tony, no, you can't do this. No, you can't do that. But like at the end of the day, Tony should have his team and like a documented team that's like this person leads up this, this person leads up that. It all flows through me. I have final say on everything. But you still have those checks and balances. And granted, supposedly they do have that in place, but. You still see, well, no, you, you still see, though, everything, you know, Tony Cobb, basically, no, it goes through me, it goes I'm through sorry. me. I'm sorry. Wasn't it the upper management that told CM Punk to talk to Jungle Jack Perry to not to use real fucking glass? If Tony Khan's a fucking man in charge and he has a team in place, why can't, no, you're not using fucking real glass. By the way, like, honestly, I think that whole thing is fucking stupid. Like, uh, just, okay. I, I agree. Uh, let me, well, no, let me, let me just go ahead and go into this whole thing with Punk. Because, like, look, as, as much of a Punk fan as I am, I think he's the one that comes out of this looking the worst. And, and before you jump on, like, the elite and everybody else, let me just say this, okay? Fucking CM Punk is in his mid to, uh, mid to late 40s. Or, 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 excuse me, he's in his mid 40s, almost... Uh, he's 44 years old he's two years older than me yeah no no no. he's about to be he's about to be in his late 40s okay mid 40 he's about to be 45 this year yeah no but i'm saying he's he's closer he's closer to his late 40s than he is his early 40s all right so uh, let's just let's just go with that okay (laughs) mid 40s i get that he's a very reactionary um person in that um and that in a sense is part of his charm and part of what made him likable to the crowd is that he always spoke his mind and he was very reactionary but at the same point in time he'll go out there and he'll say like oh well you know these people are weak they're thin-skinned they're blah 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 and then you let a comment on the pre-show of all things fucking get you so hot that you feel the need to go physically assault somebody backstage i it's just like to me okay he he goes out there and he talks about how apologetic he is and that how you know like he he really wants this you know rehash or, or he wants to hash things out with the elite and all this other stuff 
And then on his first promo back, he talks about counterfeit bucks, and he starts taking shots at everybody. But how dare anybody take shots at him on TV? He can fucking go into business for himself against other talents, but how dare any other talent go use his name to get themselves over or anything like that? Just to me, it, it, it's fucking hypocritical. And again, you are supposed to be the quote-unquote locker room leader. Hey, I'm the face of collision. This is my show, blah, 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 blah. And yeah, you know, I want to try to be a leader. I don't want to try to be, but hey, this person can't come on the show. This person can't come on the show. Oh, this person's here. They need to leave. You know, it, I mean, like this whole quote unquote soft brand, uh, brand split thing was not going to work if the whole reasoning behind this brand split is because, oh, Pump doesn't want to be around these people. He doesn't want to work with these people. He doesn't want, you know, that's not going to work in the long run. And was it working? Because wasn't that show better than all the AEW shows they had? It was different, and that I think was a big thing. I, and look, I'm not I'm not shitting on that. I thoroughly enjoy Collision. TNK TNK and I had gone on record after the first couple of weeks of the show being out, being like, I fucking love this show, and I felt like it was hitting on all the marks. But does but what I'm saying is for Punk to fly off the fucking handle because it's not even it, like. Jungle Boy didn't even call him out by name. He made a comment in passing about Real Glass, Cry Me a River, which is a callback to something Punk said on a promo on TV not too long before that. Yeah. So to which to which and, and, and you know whether Punk agree with it or not about the fact that, hey, I'm trying to get over as a heel, you know, whatever. But for him to be fucking to physically assault Jungle Boy backstage to get in his face, the fuck you could probably man. Blah, blah. Right before you're about to go out for a match, it just, just to me it's it's just it's very hypocritical. It it's it's he's it, he comes off as very thin skinned and and basically everything he was shitting on the elite for, and like the this whole um, story that broke about oh there's a that they were supposed to have a meeting in Atlanta right before All In to like squash the beef, but then the elite canceled it at the last minute, and so that left a bad taste in Punk's mouth. Blah blah blah. When you have other reports that come out and say, hey, they didn't really agree to a meeting in the first place. It was something that was talked about, but it was basically open invitation. And the elite were like, you know what? Mm, yeah, no, we don't want to do it. Like, it, it's just certain things like that. Like, I could understand that there's one aspect to that story about the about the elite being like, hey, he's on like a six-month probationary period thing. Like, if after six months there's not any issues then yeah, we have no problem getting together and squashing the beef and everything. But it, it just literally, to me, was a ticking time bomb waiting to go off for the moment he came back, especially because it's not like he really served a true suspension. He was just out injured for nine months, ten months before he came back. So it's not like he really had that time to sit in time out and think about his actions or anything like that. But when you're also the common denominator and all of this backstage shit that's going on. You know, it gets to a point where it's almost like the boy who cried wolf. Like, you can sit there and say, oh, it's this person's fault. Oh, that person's fault. But when it all keeps coming back to you, again, when there's one common denominator and a lot of these backstage issues that pop up, I, I mean, it, it is, as I say, it is a combustible situation waiting to happen. So now, here's my controversial take about this. So if we would actually know what happened in the WWE locker room in the 90s and early 2000s, 
with the Undertaker as a locker room leader, I guarantee you there's a lot of shit that would be similar to this shit that we're hearing about CM Punk. Maybe just not Undertaker, but other leaders in the locker room. Because first thing, let's 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 strike off the, the reason why he got fired with Jungle Jack. First thing is if you're if you're a young wrestler and the veterans come out to you, it's just like in football, because I, I basically it's kind of like football. If you have someone that's coming in, like those you get sometimes you get those hot headed freshmen that come in and be like, Yeah, I'm the shit, I'm the shit, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to shut them fuck. You have to shut them up. And the only way to shut them up is to like to make them like shut up. Like me, my me, my best friend in the world, my brother, my my motherfucking brother. We fought. We had a fist fight the first time we met in football practice. He came in seventh grader. He was listening. He was talking shit. We literally had a fucking fist fight at practice the first time we met. Now, look. His 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 son's tattooed on my fucking arm. This is something like now we're like on where we have a bond for life. But you had to listen to your you had to listen to he had to respect. He's like, all right, he didn't respect none of us. We had to make him respect us. That's one. Two. If not even talking about like the the management thing, but look, Jungle Jack's trying to even when you you're trying to be smart, you you kind of like. Because the word was, he was like, kind of brushed CM Punk off when he was talking, when CM Punk was talking to him about not using uh, glass, using the fake glass. And he kind of brushed him off. That Then he wants to go get cheap heat with, with Punk, says, makes that little promo. Fuck yeah, you want to get off. But the first thing is like, I don't see that as, 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 as like you saying, they like go after him. That looks to me is like, that's a receipt. You want to talk? You want to? You want to bring this up? You want to talk shit? You don't want to listen to the advice? You got someone got to slap some slap the shit out of your mouth just to make you fucking listen. Yeah, but it, it goes, and, but this it is goes also become the part whole, two is do as I say, not as I do. Like again, it's like okay for Punk to take shots at everybody, for, but if anybody throws anything his way, how dare look, you? Look, I am CM Punk. I understand I that as a wrestling. veteran. I understand that for veterans, but for a little fucking shit ass Punk like fucking uh, Jack Perry, no, no. You're fucking 20, 22, 23, 24 years old. You don't know fucking shit in the wrestling business. Because if you do, if you were shit, you're not in AEW. You'd be in WWE, first off. I'm, that, that, that's the shit. That's the, that's the major leagues. This is the fucking minor leagues still. You want to be, this is the AFL. That's the NFL. You're in the AFL. You want to get there, but right there, you don't want to respect the fucking wrestler trying to tell you something better to, to make your career a little bit more longer. Than going through real fucking glass. That right there, Tate. That takes right there that he's not going to go up to the to the first thing. He doesn't have the body shape to be in in WWE. But I think right there that Tate. He's never going to be in WWE because right there, right. He's like, well, fuck. He doesn't respect his elders. He doesn't respect the the business. Fuck him. That to me, that would that sounds like this. To me, yeah. See, you want to fire CM Punk? Fire that motherfucker too, because one, you're not listening. He he's not listening to. The veterans, he's not listening to management. Everyone said, "Don't use real glass." That's that's to me is just like, all right, fine. This is this is a young motherfucker that don't give a fuck, don't want to listen. And so what do you have me do it? If it's in football, you make him fucking listen. And that's the problem. But this is this fucking Generation Z shit or Z Y whatever the fuck it is. 
this fucking generation has this fucking problem where they don't feel like they need to listen to the elders because we don't know what the fuck we talking about. And I understand it because at work, I, I work with nothing but 20 year olds. And I tell you right now, they are, some of them are fucking stupid and just in the rational thinking. But like when like, well, how punk, what punk did as a 40, as a sitting here as a 42 year old play football in the nineties, I, I understand exactly what he did. That right there happens in a fucking football locker room every every year. Happens in a fucking it probably happens in the W it probably happened yesterday and it happened tonight in WWE, most likely. But we never hear about it. Because you know, hey, we're not gonna talk about that shit. You have wrestlers over there because they're independent contractors allowed to go everywhere. They're trying to make a fucking name of themselves because they don't want to stay in ADW. They want to try to get into the fucking big leagues. So what they're going to try to do is they're going to try to make a name for themselves. Not going to fucking work because that's the one thing they are against. So like, out of all this, like, yeah, CM Punk, look, that shit's been happening in the fucking business for fucking forever. Is it fucking should be done? Who knows? Time's changing? Understandable. But if time's changed, don't have people, don't have your management to have fucking balls or a fucking backbone to fucking say, hey, no, we don't need to go to fucking CM Punk. This shit would never fucking happen if Tony Khan and his management team had the fucking balls to fucking handle that shit about on, them, on themselves. You're going to ask a fucking volatile, hot-headed motherfucker to go talk to him. That's not going to fucking work. No, so you I, know what? I agree with that. So it's like a little mixture. They, they, they stirred that fucking pot. And when what I what what I fucking could not stand was when he said, "I feared for my life." Get the fuck out of here! You think he's gonna fucking? It's a fucking fist fight. Supposedly he lunged at him. I I don't know. They I don't know the extent of it. Well, I think, first thing, I think, first, that, I think that one has sense was maybe some hyperbole. But. First thing, first thing. If you if if you're CM Punk, you're trying to get together in a meeting with with the elite. Can't get a meeting. Okay. Get frustrated. A little frustration, right? Like it's a gas meter. You're, you're, you're at a fourth. Wednesday, before you have to go to fucking London, I don't know how long that fucking show was that they recorded in Georgia. Yeah, that, that was fucking stupid. That fucking long bullshit. So that, he probably didn't get on till like fucking 11 o'clock to do fucking, um, to do his, his spots. That's fucking bullshit. So that goes to a fourth or a half. You get to fucking London and they don't have fucking travel or any fucking arrangements to pick any of the, any of the wrestlers who that's not on their scheduled fucking trips. That's a difference between B-League and A-League. WWE does not let their wrestlers come in. They all fly together into, into a, a, any foreign country. They have a fucking bus that takes them everywhere they need to go, wherever they're going to do, plan that, boom, boom, boom. Why would you let a first thing that that equals for trouble? You're gonna have wrestlers gonna go to a foreign country. You don't have no tabs on where they're at, no curfew, nothing, and then you have a, the possibility of them having a fucking skirmish outside. That's one that, on a, that could be that could be a bad thing. On a sidebar, real quick, but touching on the whole point of like company having better better lockdown on their travel arrangements and everything like that. 
How the fuck is it like not until a week before you're about to go to London that you find out or you realize that AR Fox can't compete outside the country? Thank like, you. Like, like, and like, you know, so I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to shit on AEW because I try to be like the AEW, you know, join the dark side, my son. No, because like, look, I've always been of the school of thought. Don't yuck other people's gems unless it's TNA, but go ahead. Come to the dark side, my son. No. Uh, no. Is this still on? Uh, Fix it. There you go. No, like, I, no, because I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm up with the school of thought. Don't yuck other people's yums unless it's TNA, because of course it's just fun to rag on that rag on TNK. But no, like, wrestling is wrestling is supposed to be accessible and open to to everyone. Okay, it's not necessarily like some promotions aren't necessarily going to be everybody's cup of tea, but at the same point in time, don't shit on it just to shit on it. But in this case, it is legitimate criticisms because. Again, you should have a better handle on your roster to a point where you know, like, hey, this person can't go to London because they're not allowed to leave the country. Just not or, AR Fox. It's just not AR Fox. What what part of the tag team couldn't go either? Because oh, uh, well, uh, Ray Phoenix, because he was having some visa visa issues. How do you fucking not know that before you fucking announce a fucking a match? Apparently they knew that before, but they were going to use storyline as a way to write him out. But what still, the fuck? But still, it's like, again, don't advertise something if you're not going to be able to fucking deliver on it. And I get cards subject to change, but still, like... Look, you knew you were going to have fucking an, an, an out-of-country fucking match. Shouldn't you have, like, people, a team of people working on your wrestlers' visas? Especially that you have wrestlers that have visas working in the United States as we speak. You know, look, look if anything... You know, you take some of these uh, lessons learned when you go back next year. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're talking. No, no, no. Thank you. You just, you just said something. You, you triggered me. I'm sorry. Okay. You ready? Why ain't they prepared for this shit? Don't he own a fucking Premier League football team who half the fucking players is on fucking visas? Why don't. That's the one person that that's the, you would think that the AEW should know about this shit, dealing with fucking NFL, going to fucking London every year with the fucking football team. Mm-hmm. Fucking Fulham, who has players globally around the world playing for them, and also need to have visas in check because they're not in the Euro, uh, the, the European Union, that if they go in and play other countries, they got to have their fucking shit in order. Mm-hmm. How these fucking people don't know how to do this in the first hand. I give the benefit of the doubt the first time, but they have the fucking the book to follow for this shit because they have professional sports programs that go to travel out of country every fucking year. Stop treating it like your wrestling toy box and start treating it like legitimate business. So going back to Vince Russo and how he said that J- JR should take, that he should give. JR control, like have him be the bad person. Let him like be the, you know, and I, I think he's a little bit too old, but the person, the name he said, his one of his mortal enemies, he said Eric Bischoff. I totally agree with that. Eric Bischoff doesn't give a fuck like what, like if you're buddy buddy or not. He knows where the money is. He knows how to make the money. 
But he also knows, like, look, we need to make decisions. Let's make the decisions. Right. I, why not? Why not? Why not do that? Have that to have him be the middle guy to be like, all right, you might call it like Tony Khan. You can still call the shots. You can make the say yes or no. But you need to get a guy like say, hey, we have a problem in the locker room. Let's go fix it. Let's be the guy. Be the guy. You need a ta- you need a talent relations person. And like and, and you know, supposedly that that's Christopher Daniels. But then at the same point in time, Christopher Daniels is one of the people that was banned from collision per punk edict. So, you know, I, I mean again, it, it's just it's more a matter of, you know, you can't now you can't hide behind I'm the sorry. excuse of punk. I'm sorry. We, we gotta have you're gonna say that the the personnel the person and personnel made his name for himself in what what organization? Yeah, okay, okay. You're gonna you're gonna hate on him for his time in TNA. He was also he was also in WWE for a cup of coffee or whatever. That's besides the point. No, no, like seriously, that's besides the point. I know I know it's a cheap TNA uh, shot, but Christopher Daniels is also a guy that has wrestled and has worked in the business for thirty years. Like he's a respected person amongst a lot of circles. I understand that. And yeah, but but again, the, this whole thing of like you know, this is your guy that is supposed to be in charge of taking care of talent. Punk's like, you know, no, like he he's not he's not allowed here. Like, just just to me again, it, it, it's this whole, you know, you're cool you're cool in Punk's book if you play by his rules, if you do everything he says, and if you don't look at him the wrong way. It just it, it was a very prima donna. It was it was just a very prima donna attitude that he hey, had. Hey, and now that he's gone, I'm, I'm, but, but again, but I'm now sorry, that he's gone, but I'm sorry, you can't make... use the excuse of of punk being you know the, the the problem anymore. But the problem is also this too is you gave him a fucking show, but since he's such a problem, they gave him his show. They gave him a show to run, and you're gonna let him run. He's gonna run his show. Hey, I look. If you want to give that much power to one person, that's fine. But hey, you're gonna play by his rules because hey, this is the show. This is the guy that draws you money. This this is the one that draws you crowds. This is the one that draws you money. Like, look, I understand. I can understand where the hate can come from, and, and uh, the not the hate, but the upset of what his actions can and, and was. But as a 42 year old, that former athlete. I understand what the steps that he took. Yeah, that's old school mentality. And I don't, to me, I don't look, I, I think it shines more like how the brawl out came out. I said, hey, don't look at it as elite. And there's something, there's more fucking things shown underlining in the company than just that. Come back for a whole another uh, one year later. Yeah, now we're seeing more and more fucking holes in the fucking company. Like, look, in the beginning, I never shed on AEW. I, <clears throat> dude, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed them. I was shitting on fucking Raw like every fucking week. Yeah, we we all were. But it got better. The problem is, I feel like WWE has been getting better, and AEW has been just not. We've been talking more about AEW about fucking shit that's happening. Outside of the fucking ring than what goes on in the fucking ring. 
Well, we're about to talk about stuff in the ring because actually I would say even with all this shit going on with Punk, I think AEW put on two great shows. Um, and and yeah. like, look, especially All Out could have been a combustible event. You barely heard Punk's name from the Chicago crowd at All Out. So I think that's a testament to what happened in the ring. And we'll go ahead and touch on that. Just like I said, we, we would be remiss if we didn't open the show and at least address the elephant in the room. You know, um, yeah, it, look, like I say, this is a new chapter for AEW. Now you go forward without Punk. Now you have no excuses. You, you can't hide behind the Punk is a volatile situation and you can't hide behind that shit anymore. It's, it's, he's gone. Now you move on, and we'll see how the product either thrives or suffers in his absence. Um, I do know that uh, considering how everything went down, um, it's going to be very hard for him to make amends and possibly try to go back to WWE. There's some people that are saying Impact might be his uh, next destination. I can see him go back to WWE. I really do. Vince has apparently already shot that shit down. Yeah, but <clears throat> the problem is Vince has a boss. Oh yeah, well as of, as of tomorrow, he's going to have a the boss. sale as of tomorrow, the sale will be finalized and official. So this is tonight as we record this on uh Monday, September 11th. This is the last Monday Night Raw of the Vince McMahon era because now it will be turning over to Endeavor tomorrow. So tomorrow and he will not be the number one person in charge anymore. So tomorrow he's going to have a boss, and if his boss sees numbers from AEW and everything that's been going on, and this kind of first part, who already had a relationship with Dana White, yeah, guess what? I, I will not cross that out because hey, Endeavor says you're we're going to sign CM Punk. They're signing CM Punk. I don't. It doesn't matter what Triple H. Doesn't matter what Vince, because they're not in charge no more. Does WWE? Not their company no more. Let me ask you this: Does WWE really need CM Punk right now? To put a de- to to try to to start bearing AEW? Yes. I don't think. They I think. Him. I think they. I. I think. I think AEW I think be a great needed sh- Punk back, or AEW needed Punk more than WWE needs Punk. I agree. If I agree may, on that if one. Maybe this were, if this were maybe three years ago, or, or even two years ago, I would say, yeah, no, WWE could definitely use Punk. But like now, I think they're firing on all cylinders, and they can do no fucking wrong right now. And like, and like granted, there, there are a couple of things we can critique with WWE here or there, but overall... They're in a amazing spot right now, and they don't need Punk. I think the talent that they have on the roster is sufficient enough. I agree, but I think they're also too. It can be tentalizing and interesting. Dangle and CM Punk and some storylines that would be really interesting. I mean, if you made Punk like a Brock, where we didn't see him every week, yeah, yeah, potentially. Maybe. I mean, shit, there's a couple of matches I would love to see right now. I'd like to see CM Punk versus the Bloodline. That'd be fucking volatile in itself. Yeah, but... I'd I, like to see him... I'm not, I like, not, I'm not seeing Punk go over the Bloodline. Sorry. 
There's only one person. Problem with and that one is one person only. The problem with that is one person only that goes there's gonna over be the a bloodline. New, there's going to be a brand new person in charge tomorrow. Everything we might know can go Cody? right out the fucking window. I agree with Cody. Yeah, no, Cody is breaking merch records right now. Like, like as as WWE is, is on the highest, like highest uh, grossing WrestleMania ever, highest grossing SummerSlam ever. Highest grossing payback uh, ever. Common denominator with all of these shows, like highest merch mover. And yes, LA Knight has been like a hot topic right now, but consistently it has been Cody Rhodes. Stop it. Cody Rhodes, they, they, they released the numbers. It was either uh, over the weekend or earlier today, but like Cody Rhodes had the most merchandise sold over the payback pay-per-view weekend. He didn't even wrestle on the fucking show. Okay. He is so fucking over right now. They're also making the plush, we'll, the plush, uh, uh his uh, dog uh, plush. Oh yeah, that's gonna be available soon. I was gonna say I could definitely see uh, plush Larry coming with Punk in some capacity, some way, shape, or form. But still, for, no, like, look, dude, there's only one person that's going to dethrone the bloodline, and it's Cody. And if Cody is not the superstar that was traded to SmackDown with this whole Jay Uso moving to Raw thing, then I will be, I will be like, what the shit? Because short of Cody winning the Rumble, that has to be the match at WrestleMania. Is Cody Roman? I agree, but like I said, we don't know what's going to happen. Tomorrow's a whole new era. True that. We don't know what's going to happen. All right, we spent 37 minutes talking about Punk. Let's let's move on. We do need to talk about the two AEW shows that we had back-to-back weekends. But before before that, let's just hit some of the um, some other news real quick. Um, oh, okay. Let's do um, since the one thing that come out of the, the firing of CM Punk is now Brian Danielson is now going to be in charge of Collision creative uh, control of, figured, of figured, collision. Figured we were going to touch on that when we talked about all that, but it yeah, all, sure. it, it, it goes all in. It, it goes in more with the CM Punk because that's the reason why he's getting this, this push. Well, that's true. Well, the, the funny thing that you mentioned with this is like now that, now that uh, Brian Danielson is the face of collision and that um, he, it, it's just eerily reminiscent of 2014 um, when, Punk left when Punk walked out. And because of that, they left a big hole in WrestleMania about like, oh, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? That led to Daniel Bryan getting his push, so to speak, and to being in that main event at WrestleMania 30. You know, Punk even lamented about it in, you know, the whole Art of Wrestling podcast with Cole Cabana. Like, this isn't sour grapes, and I'm so happy for, for Bryan, but he wouldn't be in that position if I hadn't left. Um, and so we fast forward now to 2023, almost 10 years fucking later. And sure enough, punk gets fired. Who gets raised up in his place at his spot? Brian Danielson. So the early, you know, history repeating itself in a way. I was Brian Danielson. I'd be like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He doesn't need to be thanking punk, but anyway. But also with uh, Brian Danielson, uh, reports are saying that this is going to be his final full-time year wrestling, and then he expected to go part-time wrestling 
only to doing special major events. Well, he from- he admitted he admitted as much uh, on a Collision this uh, this past Saturday that like, look, he, he's basically in the twilight of his full time wrestling career. It was something that when he you know when he had kids, he told his daughter that he would scale it back. He would uh, he would basically walk away from it by the time she turned seven. Well, she's six now. And so, yeah, the clock is ticking. And I can also respect him from a standpoint of he is currently in the prime of his career. Like, the dude is a fucking wrestling machine. He's guaranteed to go out there and put on high-quality matches all the time. Better for him to walk away while he's still on top as opposed to being a shell of his former self. I want to start taking odds because... Supposedly, it's going to be Danielson and Zach uh, Saber Jr. at the uh, uh, at Wrestle Dream. Wrestle Dream. Now, this is like what the third or fourth time this has been scheduled, and every single time planned. he planned. I don't. Planned. Think, I don't think it was ever officially announced any other time because he was got hurt. Right. So over under, Danielson gets hurt before the fucking match on October third. Hey, you know how you get around that? You don't have him wrestle as many matches. You make him the star, quote-unquote, of collision, but it doesn't necessarily mean he has to wrestle every collision. So there's ways around it. But shit, okay? I'm uh, just saying, I'm just saying, like, I, I want to put, like, odds on there and see, like, what they fall onto because I think it's funny because well, it's, like... it's almost comical, too. Like, how many times we put the title on Punk and then, up oh, he gets hurt. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> They depend on your fucking 40-year-old. That's why I said you got to put titles on these 40-year-olds because their bodies ain't going to compete, ain't going to last. Just saying. All right. What else you got? I wake up every day 40-plus. I I know how I'm up. I feel like, oh, crap. I want to fucking get up. 38, dealing with a pulled groin. I know that fucking feeling. (laughs) Fuck, I'm 42. I had a migraine to a point where I couldn't see out of my left eye until like fucking twelve o'clock today. Ugh. I worked for two two and a half hours through it. Like I couldn't tell you what's who was coming to my left side at all. No, those are the worst. But Fuck I had to fucking kids. work because we have fucking kids that don't want to fucking work. So that's it. That's it for the news I have. All okay. So, I was gonna say we we have like a busy eight day period. We gotta try to go through. We're gonna try to do this with a quickness. Starting with uh, what happened in London almost two weeks ago now. Uh, All in London, which definitely a milestone show for AEW. Ended up uh, being the largest paid attendance for a wrestling event, at least uh, in recorded history. Uh, 81,036 fans. They estimate that there was uh, about eighty-five to 86,000 that were actually in attendance. Um, so, I mean, definitely a milestone achievement for them. Uh, I know WWE will definitely try to top that whenever London WrestleMania is officially announced down the pipeline. Oh, without a doubt. But uh, we opened the pay-per-view with uh, the tag team match for the Ring of Honor uh, Tag Team Championships. Better than you, baby. Adam Cole and MJF squaring off against the champions Aussie Open. And uh, long story short, better than you, baby, ends up capturing the tag belts. Quick thoughts on the match? I didn't get to see this one because I had shit going on. <laughs> I mean, it was an entertaining seven and a half minute match. You know, um, I literally was at I was I was at Bluey 
Yes. I was I was watching Bluey on on stage while this was going on. Yes. So, I mean, this like we we recorded a podcast after this this pay per view, but of course, like the subject matter of that podcast, it was like we'll we'll touch on it. You know, we'll we'll touch on it on the next show. So. Um, and then we had for our other, uh, you know, zero hour pre-show match, we had Hook defeating Jack Perry to capture back the FTW championship. Then- so, so this this goes back to another bad decision on part of AEW. So why couldn't this be instead of having a pre-show fucking matches? Because that brings it to a fucking eleven total for this fucking card. How come you can have like two of these these two matches? Actually, a couple of these matches on Friday or Saturday live in London and make some more money, have more crowd value than having a fucking, having some people sit through. How long was this pay-per-view? Uh, say probably about five to like five and a half hours. Yeah, you know, like, look, I, I will say this, that that has been a criticism. We've addressed it before about AEW pay-per-views taking a long time. I will say in this case, you could maybe make an exception just because this was a big spectacle. Um, okay, but I also have this spectacle. The only problem but at the same time, to your point, and I do agree, they could have done Dynamite, Rampage, and Collision in London that entire week. They could have. They could have. But also to this is, don't you have like over 100 fucking people on your roster that you need to have two of your wrestlers fight twice on the card? Storyline, baby. They're, they're one of the hottest fucking things in the story right now. Okay. okay. Do one or the other, but you have other people that's worthy being on this fucking card too. Also got people in there for that opening match. Made sure everybody was there ready to go because like some people treat... Treat the pre-show. I know. I know. We did it when I came to when it came pre-show. First match start off. CM Punk, Samoa Joe. People are gonna fucking be there. Well, it's not like and, and like I get why WWE doesn't really do a pre-show or like pre-show matches anymore for their premium live events because it's like again, there's no enticement to actually buy the pay-per-view. At least like with zero hour in this case, it's a free show that everybody can watch. Where it's like. Hey, Adam Cole and and MJF just won the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships. What is this going to mean when they actually face each other for the World Heavyweight Championship at the main event later tonight? Up, oh, guess you got to buy the pay per view to find out. See, it makes sense for AEW to still have pre show matches. But anyway, we oh yes, the Ring of Honor Championships just won on an AEW fucking event. Yay! Uh, they're owned by the same fucking company. I'll remember that the next time you say anything about an NXT title being defended at a. Uh, oh, I name. love it! I love the fact that NXT is yeah. on it because it's, it's it's more like a third brand. It's always been they always been trying to now it is because it keeps saying oh it's no it's it's our developmental up oh, up oh, nope nope it's third brand up oh, no 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 it's developmental so I'm glad they're actually committed to that shit. I'm glad that Becky Lynch is going to be wrestling Trif- Tiffany Stratton tomorrow night for the NXT Women's Championship. Fucking hey, let's do more of that shit. Yeah, they, they, but AEW don't even have a fucking TV. Doesn't have a TV show on any network. You gotta buy a fucking app. 
Yeah, they need to they need to rectify that. We've already been. But on yeah, we can have a fucking third fucking AEW show. May card proper fucking... opens with CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. And I we just go. See... We just go to fucking skip over Hook and Jack Perry. We 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 already mentioned it, but I didn't feel like we really needed to delve into it too. Well, long. Hook won back the FTW Championship. That... I said that. Oh, you did? I yeah. didn't hear you. Yeah, I was fucking ranting. Yeah, exactly. I was rampaging. Fuck. Exactly. That's Dude, what I, do. I, I will say this: the the, the pay per view opening proper with CM Punk versus Samoa Joe. It was a great way to start the night. Of course, we didn't really know about all the backstage shit till about six minutes into the match when all of a sudden the shit started leaking all over Twitter and all over social media. But the match itself was pretty fucking good. Um, I loved Joe treating Punk on the outside like a fucking battering ram when he slammed him into the announce desk, like through the front of the announce desk, like literally bam right through CM Punk disappears under the announce table. And then comes out with a crimson mask. Like I thought that was a really good spot when they started hijacking, you know, when Punk starts doing the five moves of doom that John Cena made famous. And then he flips off the uh, London crowd. Uh, and then they start going into the Hulk Hogan, you know, let me let me hear the crowd, earwave chant. And then it's actually Samoa Joe that does the hulking up spot and then points at Punk, you! Um, no, there was a lot of good spots. It was a great, entertaining opening match. Um, I was sad to see Joe lose. But, you know, hey, Punk gets to go out. His AEW career ends on a win. So kudos to him. Still the real-world champion. <laughs> he's gonna show up look just just for that wwe hires punk he walks in with AEW championship you're like i never lost this motherfucker <laughs> i i could see wwe doing some petty shit like hiring punk back just to drop the belt in the trash, trash can, can and then fire him you know it's like okay we got the belt now all right um next match on the car we got bullet club gold and kadosuke takeshita squaring off against the golden elite with kota abushi uh at a six-man tag match so i went about 20 and a half minutes very entertaining match um yes i know it's a flippy dippy doodah spot fest at some parts and so that would turn rampage off but it was a very good entertaining match with some good storytelling elements um, the fact that Takeshita was able to steal the win for his team, so it set up a match the following weekend at All Out. That was phenomenal. Uh, but I thought a very good six man tag match here. Ramsey, did you catch any of this? I'm movie? just I'm just waiting to get to uh, um to payback. FTR and the Young Bucks are uh, up next in the AEW World Tag Ch- uh, Championship match. Uh, great match, not their best, uh, I would say, of the sequence of matches that they've had against each other. This was not their best, but it's still a very good match. FTR is able to retain. And then there's the big spot at the end where FTR goes to try to shake the uh, Young Bucks' hands. The Young Bucks are like, nah, fuck that, roll out of the ring and leave. So they, they basically give FTR the cold shoulder after the match, and this kind of sets up stuff for later. I got, yeah, we'll get to that because that's, I'm like, I watched, I watched uh, all out. I was able to watch all out. I didn't was able to watch all in, but watch all out. But then, knowing what happened in all in, watching all out, I'm like, what? What am I missing? I I was scratching my head a lot about some of the booking decisions. 
didn't make sense to me. But um, we then go to the stadium stampede match. Team of Eddie Kingston, Penta, best friends, and Orange Cassidy squared off against the Blackpool Combat Club that are joined by Santana and Ortiz. Oh, by the way, fun fact: the two of them no longer a tag team. Who? Santana and Ortiz, uh-huh. proud and powerful. Now uh, they're they're looking to branch out on their own. So kudos to them. Anywho, um, it's the baby faces that go over in this match. A uh, couple of, like spots we, we were talking about um, who the most uh, we, I, we talked about this on one of our previous shows about who's the wrestler that probably aggravates us the most or who's the one. I, and I didn't even think about this person in the moment. And then as I was watching this pay-per-view, it was like, oh, that fucking guy. Dude, it, it, for me, it's got to be Penta. It has to be fucking Penta. And it's like, you know, I loved Penta when AEW first started. I love the Lucha Brothers tag team. I thought they were very entertaining. When he started doing the whole Cerro Miero thing, I thought that was fucking cool the first handful of times that he does it. But now that we do it 20, 30 fucking times in a match, it gets fucking old. Stop it. Just fucking stop it if you want to do it once like right before you hit your finisher by all means fucking do it but when you're doing it fucking 30 times in a match it's it's literally like nails on a fucking chalkboard stop it and then we also had a fucking gimmick change mid-match you know he comes out as pent to black and he goes backstage and he comes out as pent to red next thing you know he's gonna be pent to zero sugar i i mean for fuck's sake just and uh, and ladies and gentlemen, that is the rampage moment of the show. You're welcome. Um, but I loved, I loved how Orange Cassidy was able to get the win here. Just again, showing his grit and his toughness. Um, doing the whole spot with like fucking, you know, uh, kickboxer. We're gonna fucking, you know, get the sticky tape on my hand. We're gonna dip our hands in fucking gla- broken glass. And I'm gonna deck John Moxley and Claudia right in the face with the orange crush. Um. Love that spot. We then get the four-way, uh, our fatal four-way for the AEW Women's Championship. We have uh, Soraya, and I love this spot of her coming out with her family. Like, I thought that was a really nice touch, her being in London, a homecoming to the UK. She comes out there with the entire Knight family by her side, uh, and then eventually sitting ringside. Um, we have Hikaru Shida, the defending women's champion. Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and then Tony Storm, which, oh my God. Hey, that, that right there, that's the four way I want to be in. Amen, brother. Dude, no, this 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 new character, Tony Storm, I know we started talking before about how much we we love this evolution of the character. But goddamn, that that promo that she cut on Dynamite, where basically her and Renee, and it's like chit up. Tits out and watch for the shoe. I just love that she's this fucking psychotic Hollywood starlet having a mental breakdown. Fuck it. I, I just I love so, this. So character. it's Tony Storm on OnlyFans. Perhaps. I don't care. Like, look, this new character that she's tapped into is fucking awesome. The fact that she comes out and now she has like a Ingrid Bergman, like 1930s, 1940s Hollywood starlet. Uh, intro type of deal. I, I'm just I'm I'm fucking all for this. I hope they keep expanding on this character. Love it. Fact that Soraya was able to pick up the win in front of her uh, hometown, well, 
home country crowd. Uh, definitely a nice moment. I don't see her having a long run with the belt, but if we're talking about moments, this definitely was like a top moment from the pay-per-view. Um, we then follow it up with Darby Allen and Sting taking on Christian Cage and Swerve Strickland in the coffin match. And like Christian being a last minute addition to this match. Um, of course, because of the whole thing with AR Fox and his visa not checking out, but still, dude, Christian Cage is another one. I fucking love this dude. He's like one of the best heel characters going in the business right now. I was going to say, you want to give, you want to give some insight? No, cause dude, he's a fucking creative genius, man. Yeah, yeah, but he's not on the level of fucking the whole the whole thing with him referring to himself as a TNT champion while not being the TNT champion and him walking around with a belt and him being like all these people coming out with fake titles like the FTW championship blah 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 while not being champion I, like just some of the comments that he makes are fucking priceless. Um, this whole thing with uh. Dude. Not Dom Mysterio. He's not dirty Dom. Well, no, he's not Dom. But he's not still. Dom. Um, he's not. He's not Matt Cadorna Cadorna right now. But I mean, like, he, looking up. Uh, he's looking that, up. I, I'd say he's definitely up there with like on Matt Cardona's level at least. Come on. Um, I mean, it was a that good tweet, match. That tweeted promo and that dude, fucking Matt Cadorna put up the other day it was fucking awesome. And dude, like, look, Swerve is a guy that does not get nearly enough credit. This this dude. You want to talk about a guy that's willing to do the job for anybody, make anybody look good in the ring? Like, goddamn, man. Swerve, Swerve should be getting his due now. Um, that promo that he cut just a couple days ago on Hangman Adam Page, I mean, he was spitting a lot of truth with that. Um, I, I'm hoping that he's on to bigger and better things and that he's going to... I hear that promo. What happened with the promo? Oh, he bas- so basically, Hangman Adam Page came out and was like, doing this whole thing because of we'll talk about it when we talk about all out but like basically he came out to cut a promo based off of what went down at all out um you know talking about how he's proud of his past or whatever and then swerve swerve came out and basically just told him like dude like you know how is it that you keep getting chance upon chance and you keep fucking it up and like meanwhile me you know like for all intents and purposes i should be the first black AEW champion but, you know, so like, spend a lot of hot shoes in that. And it looks like we're about to get a feud with Swerve and, uh, and Hangman. So hopefully, like I said, this means bigger and better things for Swerve. But go ahead. Oh, no, 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 go ahead. Oh, boy. Oh, you know what? You want to you show me something? Okay. That's something I wrote before. This is after oh, all. Oh, well, yeah. Okay. Yeah. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll talk. That's before we'll... this promo had happened, but I wrote that. I wrote that, like, after uh, uh you wrote that during all out we'll, we'll, yeah so we'll, we'll touch on that yeah um so no darby and sting get the win and um i was gonna say jesus christ seeing darby do a coffin drop and, and like swing and a miss on that fucking coffin uh man that was nasty dude will osprey chris jericho very underrated match like this wasn't necessarily the one that i had the highest expectations going into it but I do feel like Jericho was able to hold his own and Osprey was able to pull a great match out of him. And like, again, the match that Osprey had with Jericho, if you don't seriously consider Will Osprey one of the best wrestlers in the world, then there's is something wrong with you. He's definitely taken his in-ring game to a whole new level. It's not just about the flippy dippy doo shit. 
I agree about, with you on that one. It, 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 it's about selling in a ring. It's about storytelling. It's about, you know, moves getting over a story. And, and Osprey did an outstanding job in this match. Um, you know, it, like Jericho didn't necessarily look old throughout the majority of the match. It's a testament if you are able to carry a guy like that and make a guy look very good, um, whether it's in victory or defeat. So, no, hats off to Osprey. It was a great match. Um, we then get the house rules, no holds barred, six-man tag match for the AEW World Trios Championship. Uh, the acclaim with a returning daddy ass against the House of Black. Um, I mean, look, dude. The acclaimed are fucking over. That crowd when they when their music hit and they came out, the entire place was ready to fucking scissor each other. So no, it made sense to put the belts on the acclaimed there. I look, I I'm all for a House of Black running with the belts in in perpetuity forever. But some point they would have to drop the belts. It made sense to do it here good moment again it's a big pay-per-view in london it's about moments that was definitely a moment uh and then we have our main event mjf versus adam cole and you wonder how they're gonna write themselves out of it and i feel like they did a pretty good job of it you had the uh double uh double pin finish then they get the extra time and you know, each person has a chance to cheat the other and, you know, whatever. And then it ends up uh, ending on a surprise roll-up. MJF is able to retain. But we have a lot of, of the storytelling between Roderick Strong trying to get Adam Cole to kind of turn on the dark side. And Adam Cole kind of refuses. Interesting dynamics in this in that Adam Cole is the one that kind of, you know, is doing the shady heel shit during the majority of the match trying to get the upper hand. And it's as many times as MJF wants to do it, he doesn't. So you can kind of see where this could maybe lead to something down the line, especially this whole storyline with Roderick Strong in the kingdom. And then basically just like chewing out Adam Cole every week. So I love where the storyline's going. Um, it, it, it was a good way to kind of get themselves out because they put on a very entertaining main event. Uh, it definitely could have gone wrong in a lot of ways. It could have really been a big cop-out. But uh, I actually was okay with how it ended and how it went down. I thought it was a pretty good main event. Overall, I thought it was a very good show. If I had to give it a grade, I'd maybe give it a solid B. Um, Ramsey, any thoughts from the little bit that you were or able to see? I really didn't see nothing. Not even clips on the YouTube? I didn't get to see clips on the YouTube. Because when I started, like, to me, here it lost my interest because there was no storylines going in, pretty much. And it was like everything was drawn, just, let's just fucking, like, wet toilet paper. Let's just throw it on the wall and let's see if it sticks. To me, it just, it didn't catch my eye. There was nothing on there. Now, on the other hand, the following week in All Out, there was a couple of matches that was like, oh, yeah. I see, see but here's the thing, and and like I know chronologically, payback happened Saturday before All Out, but just for the sake of it, we'll just stay on AEW and then we'll jump to WWE because I do yeah, want to talk. We're going to save the best for last. Well, sure. Yeah. Um, I, I will say this because we now know going forward that this whole 
AEW in in London on Bankers Weekend is going to be a thing, and then the following weekend for Memorial Day, we're going to be doing a pay per view in the U.S. Only thing I got to say with that is one thing that hurt all out in the build up to it was the fact that literally they announced all the matches the fucking week of. There was like no build to that pay per view. We're all sitting there thinking the same thing. Like, okay, we're we're here in London. What the fuck is there going to be a week from now? And it was like they announced all the matches between Dynamite, Rampage, and Collision. It's like you got to do a better job of building your pay per views up. Same thing with like All Out, and I get or All In, and I get that maybe you're worried about like injuries and and things like that. But how are you going to wait until the last like two weeks to build your fucking card? That that was a question I always had about this, and then that's you're going to do this again. This the the where's the fucking like literally the 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 shit I wrote down I showed you. I actually had it here is like hire full time right because I was doing my five my my rampage five for this show, and I was writing notes down and one of them was. Don't do the two fucking pay-per-views back-to-back because you need fucking long-term storytelling, which you don't have in this fucking company. They they do, whether you realize it or not, one, they do. One, one fucking match out of the fucking 50 fucking matches we get in, in a fucking card. No, long-term storytelling for them is, what, two weeks? Every time they have a, a show that has a fucking name on it? Oh, Fight for the Fallen. How the fuck you have Fight for the Fallen and then two, two pay-per-views? Pop, pop, pop. I don't, that, to me, like you, you losing. Well, they do. They do all these themed rampage, like themed dynamites and themed rampages and stuff like that. It, yeah, I, mm. I mean, like uh, they, they do have long term storytelling. Just uh, as, a, as a matter of fact, actually, we'll we'll talk about a good example of long term storytelling or a nice callback when we get into the all out pay per view. Which, um, I mean, I'm not going to really go into detail with Zero Hour. Um, just like the main thing was they had the over-the-budget charity battle royal where the winner of the battle royal got to donate um, money to the charity of their choice. Sure enough, Hangman on a page one. Go ahead and tell everybody what you what you showed me on your notepad. So while, while watching this fucking pay-per-view, I was writing notes for my Rampage 5, which I didn't finish. But the first thing I wrote was, I know Hangman Page is shit, but how many fucking battle royals is he going to win in fucking AEW? <laughs> is that all his? Is that his new gimmick? I am not going to do anything but win battle royals. Apparently, well, uh, like I said, that was one of the things that uh, Swerve Strickland called him out on when they were on uh, Collision or, or, or Dynamite this past week. The whole, you know, when's the last time you actually were chasing championship gold? You seem to be more. Um, consumed with like fucking around with your friends and like winning a battle royal for charity as opposed to going after championship opportunity. What know, was his but, charity? Um, a teacher's charity. He used to be a teacher. So, so technically, the really the only charity that really mattered at that time because they did the fight for the fallen to do for the charity for Maui, right? Yeah, they donated all the proceeds for that. Okay. I didn't think it was bad that he donated money to I, the no, teachers. I'm not saying it's not bad. Because it's not... like he was a former teacher and he understands how I, it's fucked up that they're underpaid and underfunded and everything. I, else. I understand that, but I mean, there's, there's, 
Let's say you can't hate on him for that. Come on. I hate on the fact that the only thing he can do is fucking win battle royals or fucking over the battle royal ladder match. I don't even know. What was it? The ladder match? Battle royal and the ladder match? Or? It was the, uh, the, the what was it? The, the golden ring or brass ring uh, battle royal? What is it? But there, there brass is, ring ladder match? It's like one ladder match and three fucking battle royals he won in AEW since the conception of AEW. Like, that's all you can do? Yeah, no. Apparently that's his gimmick, man. Um, so then, uh, like I said, there was two other matches on the pre-car. We don't even need to necessarily go. Oh, hold on, hold on. I gotta do my take number two on this one. Oh. Why in fucking AEW? You, they, they, I think they do too much at one time. I think they get like the, the favorite, uh, gimmick of the, of the month and they just kind of go with it too far. You know, at one point they had so many fucking factions. Yeah. We, talked about, factions. we talked about how that was an issue. My thing is. Why so many fucking battle royals? There's a fucking battle royal every. There's fucking a battle month. royal. There's a there's a tournament. There's a there's there's some kind of gimmick every every other week. It feels like. You you know why? So you know why Royal Rumble is so special because it's only once a year. Mm-hmm. You know why we unless, only have unless, King of unless, the you, unless you do the greatest Royal Rumble, in which case you know then you get two. Two. But then you have but then you have like uh one king of the ring which who knows when we we get that you know we could go years without it but it makes it special because it's only well, like we were supposed to get it this year in saudi and then that didn't happen but like so. it, it seems special but like you do all these shit and it's like come on well like we were talking about the length of the the pay-per-views you know before like including the pre-show matches there's 13 matches that were announced for all out and it's like and I know we were just talking about how they didn't announce shit until the week of, but it's like, again, like, dude. 26 matches, two pay-per-views. The, jamming all the shit in. It definitely leads to fucking overload, man. And ain't All Out supposed to be their, their ain't that their, their main, like, their number one pay-per-view? Uh, I would venture to say that that is the, that is the pay-per-view that people will point to and say, like, okay, you, you could maybe make the argument that that's their WrestleMania. And they just fucked it over just having one the week prior to it. Mm. Boy, does that doesn't scream WCW or fucking TNA. Anyway, we opened the pay-per-view proper with Better Than You, Bay defending their uh, Ring of Honor Tag Championships against Dark Order, who what about a Royal to be in this match? <laughs> I know you get a kick out of that. Um, champions retained, but there was a bit of storytelling involved with it where, you know, MJF did make the comment, uh, after, or actually Adam Cole made the comment for MJF after all in that dynamite after that, like his neck was bothering him from, from that main event that he was going to be taking the week off to basically rest up. So he was good to go for the pay-per-view. Of course it did sit right with Roderick strong in the kingdom who are basically down uh, Adam Cole's throat about it, being like, oh, you care about his neck, but you don't care about my neck, about, about our friendship, blah, 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 blah. Um, MJF gets injured in the middle of the match, has to go to the back, you know, to tend to his neck. He comes back out towards the end of the match, is able to get the win with the double clothesline. Um, and then we, we are supposed to go into our next match with Samoa Joe defending the Ring of Honor uh, television championship against Shane Taylor. As MJF is walking up the ramp and Samoa Joe is coming out, Samoa Joe 
pushes MJF out of the way and has a smile on his face as he does it. And this is a throwback to NXT in 2016 when a very young, very green MJF is backstage um, as an extra, as a member of security to escort Samoa Joe out to the ring when Samoa Joe was NXT champion. And apparently MJF started to walk a little bit ahead of Samoa Joe. Joe didn't like it. So Joe shoved him against the wall, shoved him against the cinder block wall. And you could see like that little gut check or whatever. And MJF being like, mm, don't like that. But then we fast forward seven years later and we have a call back to it. So as Joe is getting in the ring, getting ready for his match, MJF is stewing on the ramp, and Adam Cole's like, don't do it, don't do it. MJF takes off to the ring, starts you know, hitting Joe from behind, starts beating him up. Joe gets the upper hand. MJF fires back. Like, basically, um, back and forth, they got to be separated by the locker room, everything. It was just fucking great. We're setting up this, this spot to eventually get to MJF versus Joe, potentially. I like it. Love it. Love it. Um. But anyway, this Joe versus Shane Taylor match this is going to be the first of two big men slapping man meat matches on the card. Joe is able to retain. Um, Taylor looks good in defeat. We then go to the singles match for the AEW TNT Championship. Luchasaurus with Christian Cage going up against Darby Allen with Nick Wayne. And like I said, this whole thing with Christian Cage, I love this whole dynamic that he's been going through with uh, Nick Wayne over the last couple of weeks. You know, like basically talking about how his dad is dead and asking about his mom. You know, Chris has got to go in to take care of his mom for him. Um, Luchasaurus retains after a brutal match. Any thoughts uh, on Joe? Any thoughts on this TNT Championship match since you uh, were able to watch this particular pay-per-view? So, uh, about this time, I was like trying to watch both the LSU game and and this at the same time. Why were you watching it? Oh, yeah, no. I was watching <laughs> both at the same time. Yeah. So getting more distracted with the LSU game. Like the smaller Joe, look, it just chain Taylor match, it was just a squash match. You, you knew he was gonna fucking win that, you know, everything. So wasn't quite a squash match. That's six minutes. When everyone else went 13, 14, 22, 20, and you said, yeah, it's a squash match of the night. Um, look, Joe versus MJF only leads to Joe putting the, the title on Joe because I'm going to say this and I'm going to say this again. Put the titles on the people that are going to help draw you a little bit of money, but also put it on the people that not, that the time, father time is ticking. Time is ticking with Samoa Joe. Put the fucking title on him before it's too late. Agree to disagree, but moving on. <sighs> no, first first off, look. look. Do so I think Joe for, should have the title? Respect. Yes, not at this point in time. No. Time is ticking. He's going to have to go film fucking Twisted Metal 2 again. I don't care. Time is ticking. MJF is the most over thing in the fucking company right now. Really? Okay. We can go. We can talk about this. His ratings are not doing as great as some of the other champions. 
that had no, 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 no. I disagree with that shit. Ratings are not showing that at all. Well, they didn't have him in the main event spot. They've had Orange Cassidy in the main event spot in most of those instances. And Orange Cassidy's actually been doing very fucking well. He was the main event in this pay-per-view. Well, we'll, 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 we'll I know that. I know that. But they can break it down when MJF is on screen and what the rating is. And the rating on hit is right now, last time I checked, he's behind Hangman Page. <laughs> that's, that's fucking, that's skewed numbers anyway. Um, we get the big man slapping man meat match in Miro versus Powerhouse Hobbs. And I got to say this, the fucking Chicago crowd definitely had a hand of making this match even better than what it was. Because, I mean, the match itself was good. But just the fact that we kept getting meat chants throughout the entire fucking match. Um, fact that it was a variety of like, beat that meat, slap that meat. Or every time that like they would have like a slap off with each other, it'd be like, meat, meat. Uh, no, the crowd, crowd, Chicago crowd fucking came through on this match. Um, Miro's able to get the win after uh, about 15 and a half minutes. They uh, go to shake hands. They shake hands. And as Miro's leaving the ring, he gets jumped by Powerhouse. Powerhouse is beating him down. This leads to brand new music, brand new ring entrance. And sure enough, CJ Perry, the wife of Miro, officially makes her AEW debut. She grabs a chair. Hits Powerhouse Hops from behind. You can hear the Chicago crowd chant, beat that meat, beat that meat. Powerhouse Hobbs is able to take the chair away from CJ Perry. Miro is able to get the upper hand. Uh, CJ Perry is ready to celebrate with Miro in the ring. Miro looks at her like, what the fuck are you doing here? Rolls out of the wing and brushes her off. Um, so it's kind of interesting if we're bringing CJ Perry in. Then she cuts a promo uh, on Collision, basically... Talking about how he's like left, uh, like like basically left her behind, left her with all this. So now, she, if she's gonna make a name for herself, maybe she needs to go and do it elsewhere. Maybe she's gonna be managing someone else. So it's like, do we bring CJ Perry in just to have them rehash that terrible storyline that WWE did? Like, yeah, because what 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 I heard was that she's not on a contract. She's not full time con- contract with with AEW. Yeah, no, I heard a little birdie tell me that basically they brought her in to manage somebody else in a feud with Miro. And to me, I'm like, what? why? Why? Because it didn't work in WWE. It's not going to work in AEW. It's going to work in AEW, right? No. Exactly. Now, if they want to put her back in, like, business suits and, and have her basically do the ravishing Russian character without her doing the big Russian voice, I'm totally on board for that because, goddamn, like, Oof. She could she could rock a pair of stilettos in a business suit. I'll put it that way. Anyway, uh, we then go into the TBS championship match between Chris Statlander and Ruby Soho. Uh, long story short, Ruby Soho potentially has the match won. Um, she cheats a couple of times, try to get the win, but it doesn't work out. She goes for the spray paint. Uh, Tony Storm appears from under the ring out of nowhere. Without her shoes, steals the uh, the the can of spray paint, ends up uh, Chris Statlander is able to like you know basically take advantage of the situation, get the win based off of that. Uh, but you can definitely see the implosion of the outcasts, or at least the storyline of the implosion of the outcasts continuing 
Tony Storm get going even more off her nut. Uh, then we are next match, and, th- and this is one that, goddamn, you could potentially say this was match of the night. I disagree. You could say it was match of the night. Uh, definitely up there. Brian Danielson versus Ricky Starch in a strap match. Thoughts? Yeah. Really? Yeah, I wasn't into it. Why? Just out of the blue, we're just going to have a fucking... That's the, we'll that's see. The well, we'll see. Well, well, seeing as how the strap match was originally supposed to be Punk versus Starch, I I understand it, but it's just like uh, uh, we're just gonna hey, just eh. uh, we're we're gonna have a we're gonna have a guy that you know was uh, supposed to be out uh, another couple of weeks with a broken arm, come back early. He's gonna wrestle in a strap match, a very physical strap match, mind you. Like they definitely didn't pull um, slaps with a belt in this one. Or with the strap in this one, um, the fact look, the look, fact that I, I'm going to say this controversial. Daniel Brand, Daniel Bryanson, a little bit overrated to me. Oh, Ricky Starks, that is, that is Ricky never, Starks can't fucking stand him at all. Wow, that that is two back to back hot takes there. I can't Brand stand. Brand. I don't. I never liked Ricky Starks. Why? So douchey to me. I don't. I don't know. Isn't I, it? Isn't that his character is to be douchey? Yeah, I don't like douche, douchey ass characters. I also don't. But you, but I don't you think like dirty. Talented. But you like dirty Dom. No, Dom just fucking not douchey. Dom is fucking st- stupid. It's fucking dumb. It Dom is so stupid. It should not fucking work. And it works. Dom is like Ted Lasso. That show should not be that great. Dom should not be that great as a fucking stupid ass heel. It's fucking great. It's a train wreck. It's fucking awesome. Uh, Ricky Starks, no. I disagree with both of your hot takes. I was going to say, especially the fact that, you know, Brian Danielson even gave Ricky Starks credit after the match in the post-media scrum talking about how he helped carry and protect him through that match or protected his arm through that match. It's not like 100% healed, but the fact that he was able to go out there, put on a banger of a match, and make sure he came out the other side of it clean. Fucking props to the both men. Um... First thing, if it's if it's hundred percent healed, why you're fucking wrestling? Because they and in a fucking they needed him. I mean, granted, wasn't he, no no hold on. He, granted, the fact, he was medically the fact that, cleared to the come fact, back, but he but, came uh, back sooner than expected. But wasn't it the fact that the week prior they already said that the match is off and he's off the fucking card, and then now he's back on the card. That's the shit. I was like, man, he's off the card. I thought he was going to be facing CM Punk, but now he's off the card because CM Punk is suspended and announced, and then boom, boom, boom. It just to me it was just like poof. And I, I, there was no interest to me. Storyline, it made sense because, you know, they had Ricky the Dragon Steamboat involved with it on Wednesday, and it was like, oh, yeah, no, there, there's a dragon that's on the contract, but it's not me. It's the American Dragon. But, I mean, convenient, convenient storytelling element, but I thought it was I thought it was a hell of a match. I think, you're, I think you're, you need to put down the freaking peace pipe, brother. Uh, then we I'm get sorry. the... I can't name a fucking Daniel Bryson match ever that I liked. I it, I think he's I think he's a little bit overrated. I think he, I put him in the, in the class with I don't like Bret Hart. I never did. I put him in the class with Bret Hart. I think look is he a talented wrestler? Yes. Does he do anything for me? Not a fucking thing. I am not spending money to watch Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryanson. I, I I I I respect your opinion. 
But that is that is your opinion. Uh, not everybody's going to see out of eye. I get that. But I think you're crazy. Anyway, uh, we then get the uh, tag match, the Blackpool Combat Club, going up against Eddie Kingston and uh, Shibata. Heels win, go over in this match. So basically 50-50 booking between all in and all out. We have Kanosuke Takeshita going over Kenny Omega in the singles match. I thought this one was a fucking great match. I think uh, it highlights Takeshita as definitely like a future star. And I know that because it's a elite match, you are uh, not a, not at all a fan, not at all involved. I can already see you be like, meh. I, I, I tuned out when it was Kenny. Oh, Kenny Omega's. Nah, I'm not watching this. Dude, the fact that the Chicago crowd didn't boo Kenny. Just saying. Kenny, Just you know, saying. The, the, the Bret Hart, I call it Bret Hart category. It's Bret Hart, Daniel Bryanson, Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks. John Cena. You, you are the illegitimate bastard child of Jim Cornette, if I've ever seen it. Anyway. I like what I like, damn it. <laughs> Dude, the, the Bullet Club gold match and the FTR Young Bucks uh, eight-man tag. Do, do, do you hate Bullet Club gold? I also think all of their work on collisions being This is shit I don't understand. How the fuck they're in a... How the fuck FTR and the Young Bucks in a fucking match the week prior... And then now they're tag teaming together. I didn't fucking understand this. Because they got jumped by Bullet Club Gold. They decided, hey, let's team up. Let's take let's take these guys on. Granted, they put on a heck of a match. It was a very, very fucking good match. I think it was a match where all eight men were able to have their spots get over. Can we can can we agree that the Bullet Club needs to just to be put to rest aside and stop? anything being called Bullet Club anymore in, in life. I like Bullet Club Gold. I don't saying Couldn't name it another fucking thing. It's become like the NWO, but in a bigger, wider range. NWA, NWA, Red, NWA. Come on. What's a real Bullet Club? Who's a real Bullet Club? How many Bullet Clubs are there in the world? J.Y. was still recognized as a leader of the Bullet Club. I, I mean, I know that, like, in New Japan that they, you know... I think uh, what's what's this fucking name? Uh, Tongo, whatever, is taking over, or but ain't that the, he says the right he's to the, the... he says he's the leader, but it was it wasn't a situation where like I don't think it was a situation where like AJ took out Prince Debit to then lay claim to the the title of leader, or like Kenny Omega taking out AJ to lay claim to the title of leader. No, Jay White took out Kenny to lay claim. I don't think anybody took Jay out. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just me. So, technically the leader of the Bullet Club, in my opinion. Anywho. Um, but, so, but, but no one beat out Prince Devitt, so technically. Yeah, AJ. He took out a... Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. That was, that was when Devitt left to go to NXT. Okay. AJ beat him down, took over, and was like, I run this show now. Same thing happened to AJ when he left and Kenny took over. That was kind of the way of like, you, you, you know, you go out, this symbolizes, Hey, this is the new leader of the faction or whatever like that game warfare, whatever. Okay. Anywho, um, after the match, even though, uh, bullet club gold go over, 
uh, FTR Young Bucks are in the ring. FTR or, or Young Bucks are the ones this time to extend their hands out to FTR, and FTR is like, nah, leave out. Main event match: John Moxley, Orange Cassidy for the AEW International Championship. This one goes almost twenty minutes. Best match on the card. Yeah, yeah best yep, match yep, on yep, both yep, yep. of the AEW pay per views. Yep. I didn't like the ending. You didn't? No. Now yet, here's the reason why. Okay. During the match, before the match, they showed the record of Orange Cassidy as undefeated this year. To me, this whole year, it's been a running... His whole title run has been a, a fuck you to the WWE. You have Roman doing this monster, big monster, you know, over guy. We have fucking Orange Cassidy. The direct opposite you, you, doing you have this a, run. You have a guy, well, like, you have a guy, too, in Roman that barely shows up. That wrestles a handful it's, of times. Like I said, a year. It's an exact right. versus opposite. Yeah, versus a guy that going undefeated every show. That's undefeated this year, making this title relevant. I say you should just ride this a little bit more further. I think in a way it makes sense because I mean, like, legitimately, he does have some injuries that he needs to tend to, and so it's one of those things where it makes sense if he's going to lose to anybody. It makes sense that it's John Moxley. I mean, Moxley is the fucking face of AEW, whether you realize it or not. And it's funny. Who does AEW turn to every time shit goes down with Punk? John Moxley. Am I wrong? Well, the only second time that shit goes wrong with fucking Sam. Third Paul. time. You mean third time? If he got hurt, I mean, you get hurt, you can't. Yeah. No. So. Yeah, Punk, Punk won it the first time. Hurt was out. Yeah. Crowded interim champion. Who was the interim champion? John Moxley. Yeah, but that one. John, you said when CM Punk starts, when CM Punk starts well, shit, I'm like, well, no, I'm saying when shit, go, when shit goes down with Punk, who does the company turn to? John Moxley. Well, you go with the company with, with your fucking with your face, right? I mean, your face of the company when when Punk was there was Punk, then it's Moxley. Yeah, you go to your one two punch. Yeah, yeah, that's what you do. Yeah. Well, no, I'm just saying, but. I kept saying, how many times I said on this show that they need to make that international title the second main title to be on, to be the the, the title for, if they're going to do this soft split or, or split, that title should be like the, the second main uh, title. I've said that plenty of times. But you keep fucking Orange Cassidy as that because, dude, that's your guy. Well, I think he'll eventually come back and get it. Or if anything, this might propel Orange Cassidy to another level, which it should. I think it's well-deserved. That's great. But right now, I think as much as content, look, in, in, in the United States wrestling title scene, it's Roman Reigns' title, because I don't know what the fuck it's called. <laughs> Roman Reigns' title. Let's just call it the Roman Reigns' title. Two is the international title by Orange Cassidy because he has made that so relevant. He actually made that more relevant than the Intercontinental T Championship that not taking nothing from, from, from Gunther. But I think the international title, made it, it was made more relevant. It's more relevant. It's more prestigious than anything else. 
kind of like how Darby Allen built that TNT championship. Damn, that TNT championship, that, that was the shit. And then no one else can do what Darby Allen did. That was the thing I'm afraid about this championship. Yeah, I know John Moxley can do it. It's not about that. I just think she just went a little bit more further because the storyline, I think it was, a to me, it was like a fuck you, WWE. You got Roman, we got Orange. And I loved it. Yeah. That's the one thing I loved about AEW for the past year was Orange Cassidy. But I will say this. At the same time, I do feel like Orange needs some time off to to at least heal up. And I think it's one of those things that by him being away for a while, when he does come back, I think that's going to make him even more over. Um, Just the fact that we're not seeing him every show like we've been for the last few months. But, I mean, it was a hell of a championship reign. Um, It definitely made that title relevant. Hell, I mean, we saw a name change of the title um, during the course of his reign from the All-Atlantic to the international title. Yeah, The only thing I wish they, they would have done with that title was it was defended in America, it was defended in, in Canada. It should have been defended in the UK to make it a legitimate international championship. I agree. Like That, that is definitely a missed opportunity with All-In. Like I know he was featured... I think they also had him featured in the multi-man match as a way to kind of protect him, but even still, he took some spots in that match that were like, oof. Um, closing thoughts, because I do feel like... Closing thoughts on AEW, I mean. I know, I know you sat there, you look like, what? No, no just like, I, I feel like at least from like storyline perspective and at least where everything is coming out of the last eight days, I do feel like there are some good things kind of down the pipeline going into... Grand Slam week uh, in New York uh, when they're at Arthur Ashe Stadium. Yeah, I know. Dude, it's just like literally bang, 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 bang. <laughs> but you got a pay-per-view in fucking three weeks. Yep. Weren't, weren't we talking about uh, just like... You got a pay-per-view in three fucking weeks. We, we were just talking about not too long about, hey, you know, AEW could afford to have like another pay-per-view or two. Do that. Grand Slam week, Grand Slam weekend, pay per view. You know, I understand the the ode to to uh, what's his name. I I got that. Great, I like that idea. Holy fucking shit! This is like how you you're supposed to have these Clash of Championship tap tap supposed to matches, Clash of the Title. What is it? Clash of Champions. Champions. Which they did that every other month. Yeah, they, they do, do it every. They don't do it every month. It's three. They're supposed to do it. Once a quarter, so they've done three of them this year. Well, well, talk, well, talk about Battle of the Belts. Battle of the Belts. Yeah, yeah. I'm talking. I'm talking about Clash of Champions. Yeah, it was like every other month. Yeah, I understand. Do the four. I like the four and a quarter, but you can Battle of the Belts. That's your fucking chance right here to do Grand Slam weekend. Have it right there. That's a fucking event. But make. That's a that's a money I'm not, money event. I I guess, I guess like to your point because I agree to a certain extent. Like I don't see the point of doing these specialty themed dynamites and and collisions every every couple of weeks. Like next thing you know, there'll be uh, winter is coming. It's like we just had fight for the fall and there's bash at the beach. There's um, uh, St. Patrick's Day slam. There's like all these different like themed. Dynamites and rampages, like, do we necessarily need that every other week? It's like, just no. Like, 
To your point, save that kind of shit for like a Clash of Champions or or Battle of the Belts in their case. Like, and yeah. it is it funny? Is it coincidence? How you know Chicago has been the theme, and that's before Punk got there. But they've been going to Chicago since Punk's been in in within company. They've been going to Chicago more than what they normally were doing. Mm-hmm. Correct. How funny the next pay per view. Is in where? Seattle. Who's from the the Seattle area? Brian Danielson. Hitch the wagon. Seattle. AEW's coming for a long time. We'll see. I think that's just hilarious. I thought I thought it was just maybe it was just coincidence, but it's just fucking hilarious. Um. Now, just like real quick, closing on AEW, I do like the I do like where some of the storylines are going to be going forward. Um, so, like again, it, it could have been a total implosion with everything that happened with Punk, but I do feel like steps are going in the right direction, at least from a TV standpoint. We'll just have to see what happens, and it kind of seems to be the theme. The last few weeks of AEW, just gotta wait and see what happens. Um, WWE, meanwhile, also had a pay per view or a premium live event. Woohoo! So can can uh, we go? Week. Can we say like that? Um, all that and all in combined went ten hours. Yep. And um, WWE had payback, which is a B premium light event, class B. Had six matches that only went what three three hours, two and a half hours. Three and a half hours. Right? Long, longest match on the card was the main event that went uh, just over 26 minutes. Shortest match on the card was nine, nine minutes, minutes, 45 12. seconds. Just had six matches for, let's say, three and a half hours. On average, like on average, aside from that uh, that one match, like majority of them were like 15 and a half minutes or more. Yeah. So, I mean, no, I mean, you, you have more time to tell good stories. And like that's the thing too is like when you're only doing a a premium live event either once a month or even if you let it stretch out for a bit you don't necessarily need have to jam pack everything into one show. Um, none of these matches really felt like they were like hey, well no I take that back there's maybe one match that you could sit there and say you could probably have done this on free TV and you know it, it'd have been fine. Ironically enough, that was also the one that was the shortest on the card. Um, the fact that the Gunther and um, Chad Gable match got bumped for the paper. Let me ask you this before we talk about payback. Do you think it was a good move for that Intercontinental Championship match to be bumped off the card in favor of it being the main event on Raw? Yes. I agree. I, I think you have to start making your U.S. championships and your international championships the your soul like that. Those need to be start being more your TV championships. They should be more. They're defended every week. Every not every week, or, but I, I would say they should. Majority be majority of their title defenses should be on, on TV. TV. Yeah, especially like with with, with Gunther and Raw. That, oh, that should be... Oh, we'll do. Well, no, I'm in favor of that match getting bumped for them to be in that main event picture because, holy shit, was that a great match. 
the fact that they got a standing ovation when they went back through the curtain into Gorilla, that says something right there. Um, Plus, also, too, is like, if you put that, you bump, then you would bump the, if you put that match in, then you bump the Rey Mysterio Austin Theory match, which, look, we're just waiting for, we're just sitting here right now. Look, Rey Mysterio, you're a placeholder until they pull the trigger for LA Knight to win their fucking title. Yep. Yep, and then yep, that yep. title will be skyrocket out of this fucking building. But I also feel that Rey Mysterio needs to drop it to a heel for LA Knight to win it. That's, that's just me. I, I I think Esco I think the the Santos Escobar will turn heel. You know, backstab Rey, and then that's. And then boom, there goes your moment. Which I I hate to say, it, I think Escobar could be a great fucking U.S. champion, but that time's not right. That should have been pulled months ago, right? And they didn't pull it. And now, I mean, now it's just like a holding pattern. Yeah, yeah. Um, we open payback with the steel cage match between Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. Holy shit! All right, I want to hear you talk shit about Trish for a second. There's no, I don't I never have talked shit about Trish. I was gonna say, I thought they, I thought they put on a. I thought, considering that Trish had been out of the game for as long as she did, and I know there were a few misses in the match. I thought that uh, the match that she had with Becky at Saudi Arabia was a pretty good match, all things considered. And I seem to remember being the only one that had that opinion when we came and we talked about yeah, it on the show. That Saudi Arabia, to me, I didn't like that match. And to me, here's the thing about Saudi Arabia and women matches. They need to be on there because it needs to promote women need to be more equal rights for, for women in Saudi Arabia. But to me, what, what made this match even better, the crowd made the match better. Yep. I don't know. When you put a fucking cage in Pittsburgh, you just get, to me, you can't go any better. This is the home of... Mick Foley and Undertaker going off the fucking thing. Okay. (laughs) This is the same fucking arena. On top of this, I just think the crowd made the fucking Pittsburgh crowd is fucking wonderful. Dude, the fact that the fact that uh, Trish basically told today, fuck you at ringside before she got in the cage. I was like, I'd love this heel, Trish. Thank you, Trish. Thank you. So like like how everything was played out, the match, how it was laid out, how to use the, the the cage. How Zoe Zoe Stark got got into it. everything. Day was perfect. It, it was a perfectly. I think it was a perfect storyline. Yeah. And actually, it's the second best match out of these three pay per views. This was my second best match on all 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 three of the pay per views. Mm. I, I just enjoyed it, dude. That wealth that Trish had on her forehead after. Holy shit! What? To me, that makes the match even even more. Yeah. Like, you look at it, and be like, holy. They they put their heart into it. No, they, they they fucking went all out. I I agree that that was one of the best matches of the week. And the thing too is, Becky Kim comes way over, but on top of that, Zoe Stark goes over, and not not even being in that match, she yeah. goes over. And I, I to me like when you got two people going over in a match, especially one that has no really control in the match, gr- I, it, it, bravo. Yeah. It was a, it was a great match. We the, Pittsburgh the Pittsburgh crowd, bravo, <laughs> love y'all. 
We then get the uh, Battle of Hollywood, so to speak. We have L.A. Knight and The Miz facing off with John Cena as the special guest referee. Okay. You know my take about John Cena. I don't have to say it again. Blah, blah, blah. I wish I didn't see him. <laughs> Dude, by the way, that Miz promo on Raw was fucking fantastic. What? What this led to for that pro- holy shit that was fucking good. <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. good. I was like, holy fuck, did he just did, did, did he just fucking hit a skull crushing finale on the fucking air? <laughs> like, like he just fucked up John Cena. I love the reaction on, on uh on a Pat McAfee show the next day, like he and then fucking Miz called in. They they yeah. video time Miz. He's like, I beat his at Look, it's just fucking wonderful. It's great. I love it. Dude, like, side rant on this. The fact that fucking Miz has been getting buried by Cena for fucking how long? Even the fact that, yes, Miz did beat Cena at WrestleMania, but it was also because of fucking interference from The Rock, and it was mainly more of a plot tool to sell that match with Rock and Cena a year year out. Like... Dude, can we just let the Miz fucking go over on Cena, please? For we did. Once. We did. For once. On Monday night, yes. we couldn't see John Cena. Yeah, well, no. We I went know. over on John Cena. What I'm talking about, even even at WrestleMania, where Miz and Maurice had the mixed tag with him and Nikki Bella, and it was like their promo work and everything that they did leading up to it, like like that whole total, you know, that that was all to leads for John Cena to propose, and then they subsequently break up like a month or two later. Yeah, no, but but still, like, God damn it, Miz and Marie should have gone over. I said a long time before that happened. I said John Cena's a piece of shit. No one, no John Cena's here. John Cena's a piece of shit. Anyway, L.A. Knight, Miz, L.A. Knight goes over. Final <laughs> thoughts on the match. It was a, it was a good match. It wasn't great, great, yeah. but I enjoyed it. Even with Cena as a special guest referee, it brought some. I loved it because it continued the storyline. You didn't beat me because you had John Cena, but it brings it on more than it brings on the story plot for Miz and John Cena, which. Where do, it, I, I, where I'm liking? What are, what do we think of like potentially LA Knight having a face off with uh, the Bloodline? You know, he had the face off with uh, Paul Heyman. This, uh, this past week on SmackDown. Like, Interesting. Mm, mm. It's, mm, like, mm. it's a good place over until we get to Cody. Cody. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, then uh, third match on the car, we have Rey Mysterio defending the U.S. Championship against Austin Theory, beating him by pinfall in just under 10 minutes. I like Austin Theory with Grayson Waller. I do. I like... I like there are two people well, who can't fucking stand, but they good together. Well, we also had like the whole thing with Austin Theory and Pretty Deadly, and I liked where that was going until Pretty Deadly. Pretty Deadly had you know the injury issues, um, but now apparently they're back, and so are, are we going to maybe do a little faction with them and and Theory and Grayson Waller? Like we just have Pretty Boys or. Are are we just going to leave pretty deadly out of it now, so they can focus on the tag division? Well, for last last Friday, pretty deadly was watching them on on TV, and I think they're 
I think it, yeah, I think there's a little faction going on with that. Well, they well they were watching everything that was going on with the tag championships, and we'll we'll get to that in a bit. But uh, or actually, we'll because really, do we need to talk more about that match? No, we don't. No. We just go ahead and jump into Judgment Day versus the best fucking match of all the three pay per views. Ooh, all right, go ahead. I watched this fucking match over not once, not twice. I watched this shit six fucking times. Damn. I loved every single point of this fucking match. Now, I love Sammy. I love Kevin. But we all know on this show, I am the the top mark for the Judgment Day. Fuck everything happened was everything went so well. It was a good, it was a good night for the Judgment Day. I will say that that was so good. Everyone's everyone's part they played into it just fed, just fed more and more and more. Oh man. The fucking spots, fucking Kevin Owens. <laughs> Kevin Owens going up, putting uh going to do the swan time on fucking Dom and missing. Seventy five percent of Dom. Oof. Yeah, that that, that looked that look brutal. That was and then doing that, then taking a spear through through the fucking barricade. I, I look props to Kevin Owens. I love Kevin. I love Sammy. You know, it's hard to say that I don't want them to be tag champions. I'm glad Judgment Day did win. I love it. I'm ecstatic. I am sad that. Sammy and Kevin, because I love the the tag team, but it honestly, it honestly though, it just felt like where was it gonna go? Because because it, it kind of felt like yeah, they had the moment at Mania, and it was like okay, well, who are you gonna put them up against? And it was like we found them in more situations where they were in six man tags or you know multi man matches, and not enough of like actually going up against legitimate tag teams. They were still doing business with the fucking uh, bloodline. Mm-hmm. And that was the that was the problem. Yeah, like that, like like after Mania, that should have been the end all be all with the Bloodline, and but it, it was not. Was it? Still not is. That's 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 the crazy thing about it. But for Finn Balor, it's actually Finn winning the tag titles now a Grand Slam champion. I don't know how that 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 is, but okay. I thought you had to win like all the titles. Well, no, you you have to be a world champion, which he was universal champion for a moment. I thought you had to win both of, both both the two titles that both. Um... No, it, really, Grand Slam champion is mid card championship, world championship, and then tag championship. So we're missing. I'm missing something here because. Fucking Grand Slam is he won four. No, well, well, yeah, but no, the old the old thing with Grand Slam championships was world champion, mid card champion, and tag team championships. You gotta, you gotta remember there was a day and age where there was no U.S. championship in WWE. Um, you just had the WWE championship, the Intercontinental Championship, and the tag belts. Yeah, but I never heard Grand Slam until the 2000s when they start having like the four titles. 
They they had it in the nineties. I never heard of it. Yeah, like I'm, with Shawn like Shawn Michaels, I think was like are actually like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels. Those are some of your first Grand Slam champions. But weren't they also holding the, the European championship too? That's four. Maybe that's it. I don't know. But I mean Finn Finn's held both the US and Intercontinental Championships. And I just thought like you win all the championships, that's Grand Slam because I was to this day, it was like Beck um Bailey is the only one that held all the belts, including NXT Women's mm-hmm. Championship, and that makes her like the Grand Grand Slam champion, the grandest of slams. Yeah, I, I, I well, you know, that is for he did. Baylor, Baylor is a multiple time NXT champion, but yeah, yeah but go ahead. Well, look, we got all the gold now. You're missing one, but you also have Senor Money in the Bank, who also got a very nice brand new briefcase from JD McDonough. Especially because, which is okay. This is funny. I I love the I love how they 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 write this. They go like they're giving shit to JD McDonough. He has helped them so much to do so much in in the Judgment Day, but Jay Uso comes to Raw. Dom's like. You have a family with us. You can automatically be in. Uh-huh. Like the, I was like, but the dude fucking helping you. No, <laughs> like this dude. You guys won the fucking tag team titles because of him. Nope. Like I was like, it's it's funny. It's it's just like it's, it's to me. It's funny. Well, that what makes uh, Dom. That what makes Dom just stupid, but fucking great. Well, when they well when they put it to a vote, or when when Finn wanted to pull it to a vote, and. And even then, still, even after they won the tag belts, the fact that uh, Damian Priest was like, uh, well, let's see how he does in his match tonight before we, you know, make a decision. But Jay gets, but, but, uh, <clears throat> but you got Dom just comes out and be like, to Jay, but you have a place. You have a place with us. And I'm like, fucking stupid. Like, so you're dumb. It's main event Jay Uso, dude. I'm like, that, you're, you're fucking stupid. That's why he's so great. That's why he's so great. It's so stupid. Like, dude, you're just like the dumbest fucking person on the fucking planet, and you play it fucking perfect. <laughs> well, as I was gonna say, um, Mami had her match right after this, defending the Women's World Championship against Raquel Rodriguez. Thoughts on this match? I was still so high from the from the match before. Like, I it's still hard. I was just like still on come down. From this match, of like, I, I I had to catch my breath still because it was such a good match to me. I mean, the right person went over in the match. Of course, like Rhea shouldn't be losing that belt anytime soon. But at the same point in time, I'm just kind of feeling like we really need to do something with fucking Raquel Rodriguez. It just feels like she's there. She's kind of so, just been there since she got called up to the main roster. So let me, Raquel Rodriguez and NXT was a great heel. Mm-hmm. She, with her and Dakota Kai as her sidekick, was fucking phenomenal. You need to put some more oomph into a, a damage control. Then you go recruit Raquel and put her in damage control. She needs that. Right, they need a heavy. I agree with that. Uh, they, I think they need just to, to be like the enforcer 
for for uh, uh, EO, and then you can have build up Rodriguez and then have her turn on EO at some point and, and win. Because it's going to be, I, I think the matchup for WrestleMania, it, it's Ripley and, and what's her Bianca. name? Bianca. I think that that's it. I don't know how you, how you, I don't know how you do it, but yeah, well, especially because you just moved Bianca to SmackDown. That and now you got the Street Profits with um, Bobby Lashley and the fucking Hurt Business 2.0, mm-hmm. pretty much. Um, it's just interesting. By the way, speaking of speaking of all the stuff that went down on SmackDown, fucking Charlotte Flair again, like a babyface this week. Again, this fucking big show two point fucking o. Heal one week, face the next week. We don't know what the fuck Charlotte Flair is. We don't really know because she's half fucking fake anyway. Her fucking face is reconstructed. That's fake. Her boobies are fake. Uh, we don't know what she is. Depends on when the fucking plastic surgery flips. Let's try to go down that route. Anyway, <laughs> our main event. Just saying, right? She did have no surgery, right? Am I wrong? Uh, no, you're right. You're right. Just, there's an implants because one of them busted. Am I right? Am I wrong? No, you're right. I just I was not expecting us to go down that rabbit hole. Just say and we don't know what we, we don't know what real in her anyway. So we don't know how she's going to be. Uh, our main event: We have Seth Rollins <laughs> defending the world heavyweight championship against Shinsuke Nakamura. Oh, and I gotta say, the ending of this match to me just like made no sense. Yeah, the the one thing about this match, I the ending, I, I it was a it was a good match, and if if in the end Seth Rollins was going to win, then okay, then that's fine. But the fact that we lingered on it for so long after the match, you you had a feeling like something was going to happen, and then it didn't. And I was like, "What the fuck was the point of this?" I, I don't. I, I don't. I. I don't understand it at all. I, it makes no sense. I mean, it's like they're waiting to pull the trigger on Seth losing the belt, but it's like, who is he going to lose it to? I would like it. I would have liked it to have been Shinsuke, just to give Shinsuke a run with the belt, and especially with Shinsuke being heel, it makes sense, but. I don't know. You, uh, I was about to say, you're, you're scribbling down some thoughts there. Go ahead and say it on air. Go ahead. Oh. You already, okay. you, you already, you already talked about Charlotte Flair's fake tits. So, I mean, you might as well just go ahead and say what's on your mind. So, Survivor Series this year doesn't have a fucking, not war games or They're anything. They're not doing right? war games, right. All right. So, it's just probably much, unf- I, I've been seeing red and, red and blue logo, meaning Raw versus SmackDown. Yeah. So I just wrote here. Champion versus champion, right? Oh Jesus. Yeah, Roman Reigns versus Jay Uso. Jay Uso is the oh. world world champion. Oh yeah, it's on raw. It could happen. Hmm. Damn, storyline. I can dig it. I can get behind that. I just thought about it. I was like, wait a minute, Survivor Series. I'm like, it's Shinsuke, because that's the right, that was, that, I thought Shinsuke was going to win. I yeah. thought it was, 
I thought it well, was no, great, sitting great, there like it looks like we're building to another match. But I, yeah, but it, it's kind of like it's kind of like the the Cody Roman. We we're going down this path, and you were like, "Fucking Cody's gonna fucking win it. Cody's gonna fucking win it." And then it's like, Cody didn't win it. It is like, all right, Shinsuke's gonna fucking win this one. This one. That, Seth, we all, everyone knows about the injuries. Seth, Shinsuke's gonna win. Seth is gonna win. And I'm like, well, okay, I'm fucking confused, but okay. Like, mm. Mm. But oh, Jay's now on here. And then we do have Survivor Series. And normally, how they do it would be like US champ versus Intercontinental champ, which by that time, who knows, Gunther might still have it versus LA Knight. Well, Gunther now officially has the record. So, but let's Fox. just say, let's say if he keeps, keeps the title still, and then LA Knight wins US title, LA Knight Gunther. Well, I feel like I, I feel like Chad Gable. I feel like Chad Gable. It's only a matter of time now before they do the switch and he ends up winning the belt. Because I feel like if anything, that match on Raw definitely showed that like he's due for a major push and a very overdue push. And like that match he had with Gunther was fucking incredible. And he even went on to say after the match he's not done with Gunther. So I think it's one of those things like had a hell of a match. Gunther goes over so he can get the record. And now, if he's going to drop it to anybody, it should be Chad Gable. Yeah, that's but uh, but if it's not if it's not at this next pay per view, then it won't be to Royal Rumble. But don't you want Gunther in the Royal Rumble to to do what he kind of tried to do again? I don't. Yeah, but I don't need Gunther to have the belt to do that. I understand it, but when do you do you drop to to um and I know I just said this and I'm just but I think it's such a big moment. I think you have to, it has to be on a pay per view moment. Like I think this next pay per view, which what is it? Um Fast Lane? I think so, yeah. Fast lane. I think if it's on Fast Lane and that being maybe the 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 switch. But if it's not at Fast Lane than when because I'd rather see right now, I'd rather see Gunther versus LA Knight, which will be a, a heel baby face matchup in SummerSlam champion versus champion, which no championships on the line. Mm-hmm. I'd rather see that than two baby faces against each other. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. Like, that's well, the, I mean, but that's also assuming that LA Knight wins the US championship by Survivor Series. I think I think so. I hope so, but doesn't necessarily mean that'll happen. But still, you still have Rey Mysterio. Rey Mysterio versus Chad Gable. Two baby faces. Unless your boy Santos Escobar. You know, yeah, that's what... But, and also the theory with this too is Santos attacks Rey. He might be turned heel in theory, but the fans still might kind of enjoy it because, you know, Rey is getting long in the tooth. It's like one of those like I don't need to see him. I don't. At all. I don't need to see him with a belt. I, I, don't, I, I mean, him, I don't. I don't mind. I don't mind seeing him every once in a while. I don't need to necessarily see him every week. And I don't need to see him with a belt. I thought when him and Dom dropped the titles, and then they had their program in WrestleMania, I thought that would be the fitting end. Be like, walk to the sunset. Yeah, career. Yeah, career versus. You just beat your son. Yeah. Walk off on the sunset. Mm-hmm. But, hey. 
I'll still say that Dom should have gone over in that match. But the, the the fucked up thing is this. I thought Edge should have had one more title run in his last in his last run with WWE. I thought Rey Mysterio should not have a title run at the end, except for the tag titles. And it was reversed. Ray got the fucking title run. Edge didn't. And I'm like, yeah. I feel like I, that's the one thing about I felt about Edge's this past run on Edge was we didn't get a title run from Edge. Yeah. Nah. I, I, I can agree with that. I mean, didn't even necessarily have to be a world championship run. Just something. Some kind of goal. But, man. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, any closing thoughts on uh, WWE's premium live event, where we're going going forward? I think we covered a lot of uh, future topics, so to speak, or at least a little uh, a bit of the future uh, storylines. For all forward. for all promotions, less is more. Yeah, dude, I'm not going to lie. And I, I think a lot of uh, the YouTube wrestling personalities even kind of said it like this past week. It was burnout, man. Like, I, I had to struggle to try to, <laughs> to try to keep up and catch up with a lot of the stuff that I missed with everything else going on. It's it's difficult when you got college football starting as well, and then all of that stuff's going on too. It's just like man, See, it's the, overload. With AEW, you're in the you're in a you're in the business. Your other businesses is world football and American football. Literally, your two sporting entities are starting your seasons around the same time. Yeah, but you see those. Uh, and then you those, have your big pay per views. Those two pay per views did not take place on on a NFL football Sunday. I talk about NFL. And that's why. Well, no, but I'm also saying that's also why when they do full gear in in the fall in November, they do it on Saturday as opposed to Sunday because they don't want to compete with uh, with his own product. I understand that, but there's another product out there that's that makes just enough money as the NFL. It's called college football. Yeah, but he doesn't have a stake in college football. I know he doesn't have a stake in college football. Maybe he should. Maybe his team might be better if he starts fucking start recruiting and start scouting players better instead of letting great players fall to him when they fucking have the number one pick for fucking six, 16 fucking years in a row. Hmm. Just saying. Scout, maybe you can scout better. Maybe you can be better. I'm still pissed at it that my Titans lost by one fucking point yesterday. Oh, there, there, buddy. Dude, that game, that, that game, both both teams offensively look bad. Like, our offensive line looked like shit. I can at least give your defense kudos because, you know, shit. Hey, an LSU boy. Arden, dude, Arden Key made your neighbor. Yeah, your like, neighbor. Yep. yep. Your neighbor looked I like know. a fucking prep boy. Yep. No denying that. Um, I was I was laughing at that the whole day, I dude. Like, I, and look, I gotta say, if anything, I was super impressed with the Saints' defense. Like, knew that it would be knew that it would be good going into this season. But normally, it takes them a few weeks before they gel. They looked great right out the gate. Um, yeah, we don't need to be talking about this podcast about that. We could yeah, yeah, on. no, that's another podcast, and sadly, I don't have it in me tonight, but. Yeah, um, we're gonna. It's gonna be uh, another day, but uh, I'll tell you off air about some of the things about the Saints I saw that I'm um, still shaking my head at. 
Yeah, I was going to say, we'll go ahead and put a bow on this week's uh, edition of the Rager Marks Wrestling Podcast. Uh, I was going to say, very busy weekend, kind of overload. I think I need to reset my brain before we uh, have our next show and talk about more wrestling. Jesus. Uh, uh, well, in probably we'll do another show in probably in two weeks mm-hmm. or so. And by then, we might have a returning um, TNK. Ooh. I know um, I was talking to him, and he said I'd give, give him about two weeks, and he'll be ready. Oh, hey. Um, ready to make a comeback. And then when he does make his comeback, that's when we'll make our debut on the YouTube. Oh, shit. Better make sure I shave. Holy fuck. <laughs> yeah, I got to give a... Uh, I got to put out some uh, what to wear, what not to wear. Don't wear black. Because you'll blend right in. You just see head and arms. Hey, nothing wrong with that. No, but <laughs> we got we're gonna make our debut um, right now. You can go onto the YouTube channel. The YouTube channel is going to be uh, Fat Banter Productions. On there, you're gonna have a podcast uh, uh, playlist. Right now, we do have the Fat Banter podcast is already on there. Uh, the Fat Banter Sports is on there, and then when we make our debut with live video. Other Asian Marks podcast will be start will be on on the Fat Banter production page of uh, which is our parent company. Yep. So like and subscribe and follow for that one. Uh, we'll still be having our audios on Spotify, but when we start doing like our game shows and stuff like that, we'll have audio and you actually see what we're doing. Yeah, and seeing, I mean which like is that. That it'll be much better enjoyed if you were to watch the video as opposed to just having all audio just from the past couple of times we've done game shows i don't think it necessarily translated well um audio wise because it's like you know you can't see what we see you can't you know you don't have the visuals i didn't care we're having a great time oh yeah no it was just we we hit record we hung out we had a good time that's kind of in a sense what this podcast is all about anyway but unfortunately with that i'll have to take a backseat row more because i have to be behind the scene behind the scenes running the cameras running audio so you're still gonna be the floating head of uh of god popping it from i'm gonna time be like in Pee- Wee. oh rest you're in peace Pee-wee. rest in uh peace Wee herman i'm gonna be like the genie yeah you're gonna be zombie mecca mecca high mecca mecca honey ho aw <laughs> you suck oh jesus ah uh, what a dick anyway <laughs> That'll do it for this week's edition of the Rage of Marks Wrestling Podcast. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. We look forward to seeing you the next time for this week's edition of the show. Ravishing Randy signing out. And Rampage out.